0: A guy that knows all about the War of 1812 is someone that uh, actually wrote a book about Andrew Jackson's incredible victory at the Battle of New Orleans. He's a New York Times bestselling author, co-host of Fox and Friends, a nationally syndicated radio talk show host, and wears a whole bunch of other hats, which now includes doing this live show that he takes all around the country. The one and only Brian Kilmeade. Brian, good morning. It's great to talk with you.
1: Yeah, I'm Frank. I'm realizing now that when I'm in Newark at the end of August, I think the 27th, you even, you can't get out of it because you're you're off. <laughs> Normally it's like, hey, listen, hey Brian, I got I got a show, but like you can't. It's Saturday. It. So no, you have to you have to go party. I know you like to. I guess it's. I'll uh, it's be, I'll,
0: I'll nice be there. I'll be there. Uh, especially if there's an open bar somewhere on the premises, I will absolutely be there. By the way, if uh, people want to see, not only is Brian going to be performing at uh, NJ Pack in Newark on August 27th, but we do have a lot of listeners upstate. Uh, September 8th, he's going to be performing at the world famous Egg. The Egg in uh, in Albany, and uh, it's gonna, it's a great show, Kilmeade Live. If people want tickets, they can go to com. and I've seen Brian do some of these live shows, and it's really great. If you're interested in sports, if you're interested in the human con- condition and what motivates you, or if you're interested in history, it's a great show uh, to see. Uh, how are sales, by the way?
1: Great. Uh, Albany is, uh, I mean, I got two dates uh, in Tulsa and Brandon, Mississippi. That's in November when the paperback comes out. Uh, Newark's moving, in. Albany is, is two-thirds there already. Awesome. So that's September 8th, and, and Newark's in, on the 27th. That's my only commuter show ever, I think. So I'm able to actually go home and then go there. Usually we got to take a trip because a lot of our audience, you know, around the country, uh, Fox Country is is the further down south you go, Midwest you go, a West Coast not big in California most places, uh, but we're getting a growing constituency in New Jersey. Yeah, well, because I, mainly WABC.
0: Oh no, 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 no doubt. We have a lot of listeners out there. I think there's a lot of folks that are going to be eager to come see you on uh, on August 27th. Brian, I got to ask you about this. Uh, you, you are an expert in kind of media commentary and an expert in sports. And this is one of those areas where the two sort of meet. And that has to do with some uh, pretty interesting comments that Mike Tyson made. Uh, now, Mike Tyson always makes a lot of interesting comments, former heavyweight champion of the world. And uh, he went and spoke with um, he was on, speaking on a podcast. And this is what he had to say about about his future.
1: Some people want to analyze their success, yeah. which is ridiculous. We're all going to die mm. one day, of course. Then when I look in the mirror, I see those little spots on my face, and I say, wow, Man, that's my expiration date. It's coming close really soon.
0: Uh, Mike Tyson says his expiration date is coming close really soon. Uh, as somebody that uh, always motivates people to think positive and be positive, at 56 years old, it seems like Iron Mike is still in pretty good shape. It seems like a lot of his demons, uh, drug use and other things, too much partying, that's largely in his past. Why do you think he's saying that right now?
1: Uh, I'm not really One thing is, He's he's in, invariably honest always. He says what's on his mind. Uh, number two is he's always said, he goes, I never thought I was going to live a long time. Mickey Mantle said the same thing. Mm. He's like, you know, my dad died so young, I never thought I was going to live a long time. Tony Saragusa, sadly, who passed away three uh, about a month ago, he used to say that. He goes, my dad died in his, his sleep in his 40s. You know, I, I don't take a day for granted. And sadly, he passed away at 57 and uh, I think that Tyson looks at that. I mean, the guy stared at death multiple times. He wasn't afraid to die. Most of it, a lot of his friends from Bransville mm. are dead from where they're from. I think it's just being honest. I mean, a lot of people think like that too. In that, you know, uh, I mean, I'll give you an example. Uh, everyone's talking about Elvis. Elvis died, right? Oh yeah, you at the end of his life. And then I'm thinking to myself, Well my whole life he died, right? I'm like, when he got older, the guy died in his 40s, right? I mean, we used to think Elvis died, right. like, so old. Right. His 40s. Right. So, I mean, you could think of it, I, I don't think that way, and Tyson might not think that way today, but when he was asked that question then, he sees it. Also, he lost a child, and when you have to deal with death early, whether it's your friend being yeah. gunned down, your mom dying, your dad disappearing, uh, his sister died, and then he loses a child tragically on a, some type of weird treadmill accident. Mm. It does not you know sometimes people don 't deal with that they, and they 're so lucky eventually they will, so for him it 's real I,
0: I was mentioning James Madison earlier, and um, a couple of days ago we did the story uh, that was featured in The New York Post over the weekend. I, I know that you covered it on Fox and Friends all about how the the remake or, or the the refurbishment at the James, at James Madison's home which is supposed to be a presidential museum does very little to do with his presidency, it has very little to do with the Constitution or the Federalist Papers and it's all about slavery and how terrible slavery was, which of course it was, and how the Founding Fathers really played a role in that Well, what's your take on sort of not only what's happening with Madison but what's happening with Jefferson and sort of this, this desire to rewrite history to paint all of America's heroes as the bad guys
1: it's this thing called presentism. Here we look at people, James Madison, a colonist who rode a horse, uh, a five-foot-three-inch three president who was brilliant, suffering from epilepsy on a regular basis. He would just have to disappear during his presidency and just uh, and just unwind at Montpelier. And then we see this story. Uh, and I talked to John Levine of the New York Post on radio yesterday, yesterday I think it was. Mm. And he said, listen, we sent pretty people out there. This has been confirmed. Monticello, I was there for what made America great on Fox Nation, but I got the personal tour before anything opened up. And I got a great tour. But they are putting him down, Jefferson and Madison, on tour. And you should keep in mind, people listening right now of uh, who are African-American descent who might date back to slavery, who knows. But if you are, they don't duck slavery there. And they shouldn't. And the thing is, you listen, if you just take a second and see how Thomas Jefferson and James Madison wrestled with the legacy of slavery, which they were born into, tried to get out of it, uh, but they couldn't. You know, James, John, Mad, John Adams was basically the only one. And people say, well, Adams had it easy. He was in the Northeast. He didn't need anybody to work his farm. He didn't have economic issues. No excuse. But they knew the evils of it. Also, when you take the tour – there's the slave. There, right next door, is the slave headquarters. How they served, uh, how they served the main house. What exactly they did. There's excavations extra, going on right now to find out how they lived, how they ate, where Sally Hemings lived, and the Hemings family was. Where, where it said that Jefferson's kids uh, were raised. So, it's all there. And there's nothing wrong with that that that's part of the story, but to walk in and not say he's the author of the Declaration of Independence, not walk in and say he was the third president, first Secretary of state uh they played such a vital role in in the uh the Tripoli Wars, the first time America had an overseas uh, overseas enemy, he was the one who led the way to build a navy and actually bring this type of success that Europe could only would have to envy we are only a couple of decades old as a president. This guy would have influence for generations and he had such pride in even celebrating the twenty five year mark of the of the uh, of the founding of the country we wouldn 't be here without him, and if anyone out there is looking for a perfect person in no. our past. We will be a nation of pedestals.
0: Right, Or, or our presence. Or our presence, right?
1: Yeah. yeah. Teddy Roosevelt out of the Museum of Natural History. How do you explain that? Well, the Indian sitting next to the horse, the American Indian standing next, uh, next uh, alongside the horse, and the African standing alongside the horse uh, is uh, makes it look as though, and he's on the horse, the President of the United States. Uh, that makes it look like the white people are above uh, others. No, no, he's on a horse. What is your problem? The Roosevelt family found the Museum of Natural History. Part of what he did was explore the continent of Africa. And what he also did was go into the Midwest and learn to be a rancher and interact with with, uh, the American Indian, at which time there were American Indian issues uh, dealt with all the way through Lincoln. So don't say, well, we would have dealt with the American Indians like that. No, no. Put yourself back in those times. After you initially came to the continent, there were constant clashes and constant collaborations. But there were clashes. So don't just say right now, it's like us saying, well, could you why are we mad at the Japanese? They're so <laughs> nice to us. They're so, <laughs> so loyal. Well, not in the 1940s, they weren't. Right.
0: It's uh, it's certainly – it's really enough to make you shake your head. Uh, one of the things that a lot of our listeners have been shaking their heads about is this continuing story over uh, Hunter Biden. Now, initially, during the presidential campaign, we were told that a lot of the things coming out of this Hunter Biden laptop were either Russian disinformation or a bizarre conspiracy theory or unconfirmed so they couldn't be shared on social media. Now, it's being reported today that officials are weighing possible Hunter Biden Charges as this probe into what's on this laptop is reaching a critical stage. Obviously, you're not privy to the evidence, neither am I. But if you were to bet at this point, Brian, do you think we're going to see some sort of criminal charges emanate from what's uh, what's on this laptop?
1: Yeah, I'm just I'm exploring that right now. With with it, by the way. 2018, the investigation starts. We're in 2022, and they're wondering should we come out with a verdict because of the midterm elections. Number one, Joe Biden's not on the ballot. Just uh, do your job. To Biden's credit, he left the he uh, left the 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 uh, the judge district judge in right, place. Right. So yeah. So go okay, that's, that's Michael Weiss. Oh, so right. He's right. Staying, yeah. So so he he's staying in place. Uh, to finish up the investigation, so that would have brought an instant uh condemnation. My fear is the thing that you 'd be looking at is uh, is that the Fowler law that prevents you from Trading without permission from our government, especially on your dad's name, that Paul Manafort spent time in solitary confinement for, which they had no problem with, until he came back and started working for Trump. But then they investigated things that they dropped, and they investigated and put him in solitary while he's being investigated. They charge him, and as uh, everybody knows, he gets exonerated. My fear is because there's no justice in it. They're gonna go, well, you know, he got a gun on the false premises, and um, he did did a bad job in taxes, but he was on crack. Uh, and there's no tie to his dad. A thorough investigation by the FBI would say, okay, what were you doing? What was your dad's role in that as sure. vice president? And then, and then, how big is this? But I think they're going to look at a drug-addled guy. They're actually going to make him a sympathetic figure, and Jim Trusty a former uh, a former district attorney came out yesterday who was with the Bush administration and says I think they're about to uh, to soft pedal this whole thing
0: you, you alluded to that uh, they're they're leaving the US attorney for Delaware David Weiss in position to do this investigation This has been one of those areas where some people said, because this is the president's son, maybe this is exactly the kind of investigation that calls for an independent special prosecutor, like Uh what we saw with the Mueller probe and like we had with Durham and the Russia investigation. Do you think that's necessary here? Do you think the Justice Department can handle this as is?
1: There's no way, after they see what happened with the Mueller probe, uh, with uh, you know, what happened uh in the past with the Clinton investigation, they're gonna have a special prosecutor. There's no way they're gonna do it. That means the President of the United States got to call for it. There's no way with the remember the Karl Rove investigation that eventually it was Richard Armitage who talked mm-hmm. about those words in uh, uh those words in the State of the Union address. Uh they remember it was um it was Scooter Libby that ended up getting convicted and that ended up taking life its own almost overwhelming Uh, the Bush presidency, and destroying the lives of everybody investigated, just like Uh, The Mueller probe did, and of course, they concluded almost nothing. If you read the Mueller probe, there's a bunch of tangential things, and these FBI guys are the ones that should have been to jail. Instead, they end up with MSNBC and CNN contributorships. But there's no way. What's going to happen is they're going to put this out. It's going to be a Friday night. They're going to say Hunter Biden's going to maybe have to pay a fine, go on probation, or spend a weekend in jail. And he's going to say, Look, I I was uh, on drugs. I love hookers. There's a lot of video. Uh, but that's it and I paid the price for society looked to turn the page but the house is not going to do it frank the house is definitely going to investigate and not that you know people listening right now know it might be dealing with substance abuse i am not worried about the substance abuse the guy is obviously got huge problems before beyond what we know and he taped all of it and then then put it out there It's now for the world to see and for the family to be embarrassed about having said that don't get distracted The issue is how his father allowed him to be the point man on these high-stakes international deals, knowing that if you're a drug addict or have addiction issues, the worst thing you could do is put people into high-stress situations. And the worst thing you could do is trade on your dad's name, because in the end, that is your legacy. Nixon's legacy is still suffering under Watergate. Biden's out there not only letting his son run point. On Romanian deals, Ukrainian deals, China deals, Russian oligarch, uh, Colombia, running all this on the Biden name, setting up meetings that are easily trackable, which was brought up in the New York Post. But he's doing it in a way in which he's saying no one will ever catch me because the media's got my back. Mm. So that is a legitimate investigation. we we'll look into that. And it's not going to be a dry hole. I think it. I think it's huge.
0: Yeah. Unfortunately, one of the things that we've seen that's bipartisan is the sons of politician, uh, the sons of various politicians uh, trading in on their on their father's names. I know uh, uh, Peter Schweitzer has uh, covered that extensively oh, yeah. about how relatives of uh, Obama, Biden, Kerry, Mitch McConnell, even Donald Trump have uh, used their familial connections to uh, to benefit themselves and clients in the process. Speaking of Donald. Trump, Trump, the House January 6th Commission Committee is holding its final hearing of the summer, and apparently they're going to focus on the 187 minutes that President Trump failed to act on January 6th, in spite of pleas for help from his aides. Now, irrespective of the legal consequences, irrespective of the political consequences, you've become a pretty accomplished historian in your own right. How do you think um, history is going to view President Trump's conduct on January 6th?
1: Terrible. Uh, and, And if anyone, you know, even, you know, Jim Jordan, Jim Jordan's been asked things, you know, how big a deal is this? I mean, his greatest defender... You really can't defend the president's actions. You can't defend uh, his scheduling uh, for that march. You can't defend a guy I like personally, but Steve Bannon's influence at that moment, or Rudy Giuliani's influence at that moment, with all these people around him, he decided to listen to the most extreme people in his circle instead of the people that brought him through the Mueller Probe, that have this great connection and loyalty to him. He goes, well, you guys don't want me to do this, so I'm just going to go find other people that do, Rudy Giuliani and Steve Bannon and others that advise him. I think it's indefensible. But what they're doing, and if you guys don't – I know many of you, Frank, your listeners don't do this, but flip to CNN. This is all MSNBC and CNN have. They're overdoing it. They're just—they're acting as if there is no oil crisis. There is no president of the United States claiming falsely uh, that he's got cancer yesterday. That he's going to start using the executive orders, going to further destroy our economy. That's further going to torture the American family. They have overplayed their hand on January 6, but nobody defends the president's decisions and conduct after. If he just acted somewhat traditional, his approval rating would be 70% right now. They wouldn't even be bringing up Ron DeSantis or Glenn Youngkin as possibly people going for the nomination. They'd be talking more about Grover Cleveland than they would be Mm. about uh, Nikki Haley and Mike Pompeo and Mike Pence. Mike Pence wouldn't be thinking about running right now if the president didn't back, uh, at least in words, the hanging of Mike Pence and call him a traitor and weak and – things I can't say on the air. I mean, if they just had – if it was anything traditional. But that that doesn't mean that January 6th deserved a one-sided play, uh, now in prime time again – as a blatant way to try to limit the losses they have. This is about the midterm election and making sure Donald Trump doesn't run again. That's what it's about. But Brian, no one's defending the president's actions.
0: Uh, one of the most important questions, uh, July 30th, the WABC on-air talent has this big game before the Ferry Hawks against the NYPD softball uh, game. Uh, softball team. Are you playing? And if so, what position?
1: Uh, no, I won't be playing, but I'm going to go to the golf in the next day, even though I got Laura Ingram at night And I'm doing Outnumbered. Uh, But uh, the first time I'm hearing of it is now. But that weekend, I'm not around. All right. But but that Monday... Uh, on August first, the golf outing in Garden City. Will you be going to that?
0: Uh, I am not. I think, for the benefit of everybody that's on the on whatever foursome I'd be on, I actually would. Uh, I actually would be in the quadruple digits in terms of my golf score. I uh, golf golf is a a skill that I never in never inherited from my my father, who's a pretty accomplished golfer. Uh, what's coming up on radio and television today, Brian?
1: Uh, Well, I mean, uh, our guests include Ben Carson of Senator Blackburn, do a simulcast with Harris Faulkner on Fox News Channel, and Gerard Breaker, the Wall Street Journal economist and editor. Uh, So uh, I'm going to be talking about, number one, Mallorca said it again, the border's closed. And there's huge blowback on that statement. It's probably Biden's greatest intentional failure. I'll talk a little bit about the Hunter investigation, but more more importantly, this fake climate crisis that we're in, there's a responsible way to do it, and there's a way we're doing it. And we are continuing to leave ourselves vulnerable with the president plans on doing what he announced yesterday and indicated he's looking to do, uh, looking to announce. Also, his gaffes. Uh, he had three within about three minutes. How many, much longer are we going to be doing this? And also, I don't know if you guys have been going over the Marist poll right in upstate New York. His approval rating, it was at about 30% with Quinnipiac, also among our listenership, and 36%. 36% approval rating with a totally compliant press who overlook every mistake he makes. The American people are looking past it. The approval of his presidency among Democrats has dropped nine points for independents. It's at 28% on Hispanics, an epic drop. So when anyone says, you know, how bad a loss will they suffer at the midterms, Democrats, that Hispanic independent numbers is going to be key. So I'll yeah. talk about that. And Pete Buttigieg take taking a bow because gas dropped 40 cents. Really? Per barrel is bound up to $108. (laughs) That means the ripple effect is going to bring us right back to $5. And this transportation secretary, who should be embarrassed to leave the house when you look at the supply chain problem or inability to get baby formula and the price of transportation, he's saying, what a great job we're doing.
0: Brian, uh, we'll be. it's going to sound like an action-packed show on television and radio. We'll also be checking you out this weekend on the Fox News channel. I will see you soon, and people should definitely get their tickets for the uh, Kilmeade Live Tour at BrianKilmeade.com. Thank you.
1: Go get it, Frank. Thank
0: you. We'll, we'll do it next week. Brian Kilmeade. 800-848-9222 if you want to be heard for 15 seconds. Now's the time. 1-800-848-9222. 15 seconds of fame straight ahead
1: the other side of midnight, midnight.